Hello, this is Eden on KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. Welcome back to my show, Garden of Eden. It's Garden of Eden and I'm your host. I talk about what I like most. Garden of Eden. <laughs> I'm here today with Katie Sewell, a longtime producer and host at Seattle's public radio station KULW and now an accomplished podcaster and consultant for others. Katie, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eden. So let's start very broadly with your background. What do you do? A lot of my time right now is producing a podcast called The Bittersweet Life. It's been on for about six and a half years so far. The other part of my time, I'm often spending writing. I've been working on a memoir and then I work at KYW as a fill-in host for them. So I don't work there all the time anymore. I used to work there every single day for about 10 something years, but now they just call me when they need me. Okay. And I know you have ties to Mercer Island. You're a Mercer Island alumni and maybe yes. a history with the radio broadcasting program there. Can you talk a little bit more on that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, my parents are still living on Mercer Island. Uh, I'm over in Seattle now, but I did go to Mercer Island High School and I did start out in radio at KMIH. Probably the year was 1995, 94-ish, somewhere in there. Um, the station had just gotten started. It was sort of a brand new thing. And it wasn't even the same uh, at the same frequency that you guys are at now. It was 104.5 and it was called Exit, Exit 104.5. And it was a uh, largely alternative music wise. I hosted the afternoon Friday show with my friend Jody, uh, who also still lives in Seattle. So, Wow. I think that the station has undergone a lot of changes since you've been there. I'm not sure. Are you, are you like familiar with what it's like now or like the changes it's gone through? No, I've only seen it from the outside. I've never been in the new studio. Okay, well, once I think once coronavirus is over, you're going to need to stop by. I'm, <laughs> I, I would love to like give you a tour or something. Yeah, I'd love that. That would be great. I love touring radio stations. <laughs> Favorite <laughs> yeah. thing in the world. So. so I guess if you did radio in high school, has it always been something that you've had your eye on and something that you've known you wanted to do? It's funny because... Once you end up in any career, I think you can look back and see like, oh, it was there all along. <laughs> you know, I was always going to be in radio. So yes, I can definitely trace all these things back. Like when I was a little kid, I liked to go around with a tape recorder and tape everybody. And I got into radio, like, obviously through KMIH. But I would think that, like, I think back then, I actually thought I was going to be an actor, not in radio. Oh, okay. uh, you know, of course, much more lofty. Uh, but yeah, I think... And I also, eventually in college, I felt like I was going to be a writer. I didn't think I was going to go into radio as a career, even though I was interning at another radio station during college. So when it ultimately happened was I applied for two internships after college, one for a magazine and one for KUOW, public radio, and KUOW just happened to call first. And they interviewed me, hired me. And once I was there, I realized I don't, Ever want, I'm never going to leave here until these people will give me a job. I will just hang around on the edges for as long as it takes. And the magazine did eventually call me and offered me an internship. And I said, sure, but I can't do them at the same time as KOW. 
-hmm. And they said, okay, we'll just call us when it's over. But of course I never left KOW, so. <laughs> well, I mean, I think for me personally, the, the beautiful thing about radio and why I love it so much is because it encompasses, it encompasses a lot of different things. Like you mm -hmm. say, you're interested in acting and writing, but I feel like they all kind of can come together for radio. Uh, yes. I love. So you had, you had a show in high school and you said you went around with a, a recorder. For me, it's, it's helped me discover a lot of things about myself and, and become more comfortable in like who I am. Uh, would you say that that's the same for you? Did it help you kind of explore your personality and just find who you are? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Because I think it's funny because it, it, once you get into radio more and more, as you probably know, you get a chance to talk to all sorts of people that you wouldn't normally get to talk to. Uh, there's something about the power of being an interviewer <laughs> where you all of a sudden you can just ask people whatever questions you want. And that ability to interview just about anybody, especially as I get later on in my career, um, has allowed me to do tons of things that I never would have gotten to do otherwise. Um, and it kind of been that way has helped me sort out, I really like this kind of stuff. I really don't like this kind of stuff. Mm. You know, like I don't really love doing interviews with politicians, <laughs> you know, or, but, but I also got the opportunity to witness the birth of two children, you know, all because I had a microphone in my hand and was doing a story on it. So it is, definitely open doors <laughs> that I uh, to things I never would have gotten to experience otherwise. I mean I guess speaking of who is the, your favorite person that you've interviewed or your favorite story that you've done? Ooh, boy that would be hard because there's so many good people and a lot of like the most interesting people are people that you might not have ever heard of. I don't know if I can answer that question. There's been so many who have made an impression. Um, and some that haven't. It's funny, like when it comes to talking to celebrities, for instance, or uh, well-known people, it's surprising who really makes an impact and who doesn't. Like, for instance, before President Obama was President Obama, back when he was not yet announcing he was going to run, I wasn't interviewing him, but I was a producer and I met him. And he just had this manner of interacting with people um, with such curiosity. Uh, he would go up to anybody in the hallway and be like, or, or when he met me, Katie, what does the producer do? Explain to me what that means. Uh, and then there were other people like, I, I guess to stake in the political, stay in the political realm, like John Kerry who had run for president. And when I met John Kerry, I felt like he was the most boring, uninteresting <laughs> human being uh, that had come through the doors for a long time. He was distracted. He was mostly interested in his phone. His wife was standing by and sort of ordering him around. And, you know, he didn't make much of an impression at all as far as being an interesting human being. So that, I think it's super interesting that you say that. I, I've, I've gotten way more into interviewing. I love it now. Even though it's very intimidating, I, I find a lot of joy in doing it. And you never really know who's truly going to be interesting until you talk to them. <laughs> and I'm curious as someone who's probably interviewed countless people, what have you learned about what makes an interview interesting and how to conduct it well? Yeah, well, there's a lot of techniques. I actually teach interviewing sometimes because it is it is something that you can learn. And as you know, as the more you go along, you get more and more practice and you get better and better at it. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the most important parts about, for me, how I interview is I make a plan ahead of time. Mm -hmm. But then in the, so I kind of come up with a narrative arc maybe in a way, like here's where I want to begin. Here's where I want to get to. Um, but 
once I kind of have a plan, not that I don't write anything down, but I have a plan. Once I'm actually in the interview, I really try to listen to what the person's telling me. Um, so that I'm not just going down a list, you know, I'm, I'm seeing if they're leading me in some new direction. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, if you've ever heard of the show Radio Lab, um, the host of that show talks about when he talks about interviewing, he talks about looking for these periscope moments, which are these moments where a person gives you a little indication that they have a bigger story to tell, but those indications are really easy to miss. And so it's trying to listen to the cues they're giving you, which is very hard to do in the moment. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I think, I truly think interviewing is an art form that you have to build over time and get a lot better at over time. Yeah. Um, I do want to move to talking about your podcast and how you got started with that, because I think that it is fascinating. Yes. Um, and so I guess I would love for you to just give a little bit of a rundown for someone who maybe hasn't listened, what your podcast is and how you, how you started it. It's called The Bittersweet Life. It started six and a half years ago when I, I quit my job, uh, which is very uncharacteristic of me. And I moved abroad to live in Rome uh, just for one year. And while I was there, I decided I would try to make a show that was uh, kind of smart like NPR would be, but more personable, like more fun to listen to, uh, more like a conversation and not just the news. So um, so I happened to have a really good friend of mine who was living in Rome uh, named Tiffany Parks, who I met on the school bus right outside Island Islander Middle School in the sixth grade. And she just happened to live in Rome and was living on the same block as me. And we decided that we would try making this show. And the original conceit of the show was it was going to be a long-term expat point of view versus a short-term expat point of view. So she was the expert and I was the rube that was making all sorts of mistakes. And we always thought when I left Rome that the show would be over. Uh, yeah. But when I got back to Seattle, all of a sudden I realized that there was all this other these other issues of trying to come home after having an experience like that, where, you know, I had changed so much, but then everybody around me seemed exactly the same. Like for them, a, a blink of an eye had gone by time-wise and I'd had this giant epic adventure that had been life-changing. So then I started exploring the ideas of how hard it is to like repatriate to somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then like over the years, as, as the audience grows, it becomes just much more of a larger view about you know, what makes a good life? How do we figure out what we wanna be doing with ourselves? Like, how do we know when it's time to step off the career path that we're on and do something wildly different? You know, how do we realize when a dream that you've had all your life, it's too late to go after anymore? So we've gotten much more <laughs> existential, yeah. but we still do a lot of um, talking about Italy and exploring Italy because, you know, Italy is great. Um, and then we've also woven in a whole bunch of famous authors and scholars who write books who come and join us and hang out. And, uh, so it's gotten much bigger than I ever thought it was going to be topic wise and just listenership wise. I mean, I love that you just started with like this small idea, like talking about your experience in Italy. And now it's become this six and a half year long thing. Yeah. I, I'm, I just, I'm so curious how you, have managed to maintain this like longevity with the podcast and kept it going for so long and continued to come up with ideas and expand it. Like, how have you done that? Well, two things, it never hurts to have uh, just a radio producer working on something because I was used to having to turn out a show 
every single day. Like the show I did for KOW was on two hours every day, all like five days a week, you know? And so I was used to having to show up to make radio. Um, and then I had that same producer as uh, feeling that if people are showing up to listen, then I better be showing up to give them something. Mm -hmm. uh, but then when it comes to ideas, uh, that is one thing I've never really struggled with. I've always had ideas of what to talk about or what to do in radio. I mean, even when I was doing that daily show, that, like I could always think of something. And I think that there's so many things that, to be curious about in the world that it's hard for me to run out of ideas completely. Yeah, I mean, I think that radio is the perfect place for the, the curious. Um, yes. I should probably know the answer to this question, but you, you talked about how, how Obama showed interest in what a producer even does. And you say that being a producer helps you um, create your podcast. What is really the job of a radio producer specifically? Yeah, that's a good question because it's different. Like a producer in, in television is a completely different thing. So producer in radio is basically um, the person who makes sure everything behind the scenes works. And oftentimes for me, it's basically like you're doing everything but hosting the show. Mm -hmm. So you have to come up with uh, what is the show about? What is its narrative arc? Who are gonna be all the guests that show up? Then you gotta find those people, get them on the air. Um, you know, whatever musical interludes you're doing, if there's tape in the field, you go and record that, you edit it together. And then you have to make sure that the host is prepared. Like they know what they're about to say, where they're going. And of course the host is gonna have their own artistic license, but you have to give them all of the tools so that they can take it where they want it to go. So, and then you direct the show while it's on the air and yeah. you're just, you're basically pulling all of the strings that make it happen. So, so when you like for, for our station, we're so small and we're just like kids who get on air and we just talk about random stuff. Mm -hmm. But for these bigger podcasts, like a podcast that KUOW and NPR have and these live broadcasts, there are entire teams that go into these this content, correct? Yes. Uh -huh. It's crazy that it seems like these people just hop on air and start talking and then that's it. Yeah. But really, there's so much that goes into it from your end. There's so much. Yeah. Yeah. There uh, Sometimes a producer will do, do a thing called a pre-interview, which is um, I don't necessarily love to do them in all circumstances, but that's, you know, a personal choice. Um, but it's basically like you're trying, you'll talk to somebody as if you're interviewing them ahead of time and try to figure out like where all the great stuff lies, you know, mm -hmm. so that you give the host some sort of idea. So, you know, you might need a producer who's over there working that or like, and then let's say there's another one show that's com uh, particularly complicated for some reason. Like I did one show once that was called the, the History what was it? I can't even remember what it was called, but it was basically looking at the history, the present, and the future of radio. Mm -hmm. And that had, you know, multiple guests for every segment. And then I was trying to put together these audio montages so you would hear what radio used to sound like and what it sounds like now and what where people think it's going. Um, so it's really how complicated you make it. Uh, like a show like Radio Lab, if you've heard that, is very complicated. It's basically scored like a like a it's a musical, even though they're just talking. <laughs> And so how do you put all that together? It takes a lot of people. Yeah, I, I think I, there's so many pieces that go into it. And I think it's, it's fascinating to see what happens on the underground. Mm -hmm. um, and you provided a very good segue into talking about radio by mentioning 
something you worked on regarding like past, present, and future radio. Um, mm-hmm. As a radio kid, I have the same thing that was mentioned in like the Seattle Times article on you about clinging on to classic radio and just loving old fashioned radio, but also seeing that it's kind of transitioning and changing a lot. And mm-hmm. what are your what are your thoughts on that and the future of radio and where radio is? Well, I think what's changing the most is the radio as we think of it is turning on a dial and just listening to whatever's on the, in the car. You know, mm-hmm. I think people are starting to do that less and less and I, that is dying. Yeah. But I think that uh, I actually think that radio itself, like the medium of doing audio entertainment, if we take it away from the name radio, is actually getting bigger and bigger. I think it's it's kind of having a flourishing, like a second golden age. Um, and that's happening on podcasts. It's happening online. Um, I interviewed a really old time radio director. He was uh, a director, a very famous guy, but back in the 40s, you know, in the golden age of radio. And when I interviewed him, he was 100. And this was before podcasting had really taken off. And for him, as a person who had spent his career crafting these like mega cast uh, radio dramas with sound effects and live orchestras, to him, radio had died you know even though we would consider it very much alive with talk show hosts like he thought you know we were wasting the medium we were like all these big corporations had come in and bought channels across the board and were just turned them into another radio music station and he at the time was like very grateful for anybody he met that used radio in any kind of creative way and sometimes I think about him when I think about yes radio when like that accidental radio listening is sort of dying uh but i think of him and i think gosh you know how wrong he was to think that it was over you know yeah and and i don't know i think he'd be very happy to know that not only is radio alive and well but people are starting to be creative and clever with it again they're starting to make dramas again you know they're they're being inventive and so i don't know it's a mixed bag because i also really love live radio and yeah um and i miss it i really do miss that kind of you're on the air whatever happens right now happens and you know if it goes terribly oh oh well (laughs) you know there's always tomorrow yeah well i mean i mean we see this intersection between radio and and then podcasting and how people are like even in kuw transitioning to having like content online like uh in podcast form more Mm -hmm. It, it is kind of sad to see the very classic form of radio um, fading away a little bit more. Because mm-hmm. like you said, I think there's something really beautiful about live content and transitioning into music and like voice tracking and things. Yeah, and it's so fun. Yeah, it, like how it says in this article that you're such a big a fan of classic radio. What do you love about it so much, so specifically that's different than this podcasting form? Well, I would say for the radio of today and this live form, I mean, there's nothing more more fun than being live on the radio, mm-hmm. I think. Because, uh, you know, one of the things that I don't like about podcasting is that you can mess around with it so much. Like I can do, the, like for instance, The Bittersweet Life. It sounds like it's an off the cuff conversation, but it takes me probably at least four hours to edit it. Uh, yeah. And in live radio, you can edit little features that are aired during a live broadcast, but you can't really tinker with it that much. You just have to yeah. go. 
And uh, I like that about it, actually, that you, it, it's less precious in some ways. <laughs> um, you know, and like I said before, if it goes badly, you know, there's just another day, you'll just do it again tomorrow. Uh -huh. uh, and I love that about it. And, and then it does have that performative aspect um, that podcasting has, because you still are performing when you're on a podcast, but you can still, in the back end, you can mess around with it until the cows come home if you want. Yeah. Um, so that is what I miss about live radio. Oh, and I also, I don't know if you guys take calls on KMIH, <laughs> but I used to love taking live callers on the radio. I used to think that was so much fun uh, just because you never knew exactly what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and it was a different kind of skill to cut somebody off, you know, <laughs> like learning to be able to do something. It's that, that is great. Like as far as the old time radio goes, um, you know, they really went for one of the best things that radio can do, which is it can, the theater of the mind stuff where, you know, it's a one-on-one -on -one medium and you can build an entire scene in somebody's head. And they mostly did radio drama back then. They did some comedy. Um, but the interesting thing as a person who listens to it now, for me, is that if I re-listen to a, a drama I've heard before, say, and I, uh, I will imagine it in exactly the same way that I did before. But if you listen to it, you'll imagine it in your own way. And if you were to listen to it again, you'll hear, see it exactly the same way before as you did before. So in that way, it's kind of like reading a book, except it's much more immediate. Yeah. You know, you're still doing all the mental work. And I think that we, we did lose, um, when that went out of fashion, people just don't know how to act for the voice as well now as they they used to you know it's a skill that was lost so and, and that was also done live so i admire that too it would be like an entire movie for your for your ears performed in the moment by real actors and musicians all in a studio together and if if a, a play was particularly popular, like let's say everybody wrote in and said, oh my gosh, I wanna hear a sorry wrong number again, then the, the company, the CBS or whoever owned it would have to hire all the actors again, bring the musicians all back and they'd have to perform it live again. And I just think that that is amazing that it used to have that much energy around it. Yeah. Uh, is incredible, yeah. I would love to travel back in time to like the peak of like live classic radio that we're talking about and just experience it and see what it was like now that it's changed so much I think that the opportunities that lie in broadcasting are a lot different so mm -hmm. as someone who has a career in broadcasting what would you say that those opportunities are for someone who's maybe in in the program like 89 the bridge and is looking to do this as their career mm -hmm. oh I mean I think there's tons actually uh the more podcasting becomes popular, the more you're seeing these um, podcasting companies rise up, you know, the more you're seeing places like KOW actually creating a podcasting division. So even these stations that are keeping their live on air presence are just expanding into this other spot, you know, which means they need more producers, they need more hosts, you know, they need mm -hmm. more people who are willing to experiment and have great ideas. So I think I would still say that if you can get it, if you're coming out of um, high school and you're really interested in radio or coming out of college, that you know one of the best ways in is to be an intern for a while somewhere. Yeah. And, and there are um, all sorts of like 
different organizations now that are trying to launch new young people by giving them these fellowships and opportunities. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's only expanding. When I when I started at KOW as an intern back in the day, and I was like, remember, I'm going to hang on here until they hire me. I I worked there for almost two years uh, for free something that they would not allow now because <laughs> um, that's considered exploitation at this point, I believe. But I worked there for two years, mostly for free, just because there was no jobs. You know, it wasn't that they didn't like me. There was no positions available. And so I just had to wait until something, they somehow expanded enough to have room for me to apply. And I feel like there's just so many more jobs now than there were mm -hmm. before. Gosh, hearing about your experience in your career and your podcast and work with KUW, it, it it's so inspiring and exciting, and it makes me want to just like go off and and pursue this and and have my own podcast. But there are lots of budding podcasters at at our station. We have a ton of students who have podcasts, and. Mm -hmm. For both the kids who already have them, what advice do you have? And then also for the people who are looking to start one, but are like, I don't know what to talk about or what to do or how to have an episode that's at least 20 minutes. Yeah. Week. Well, you don't have to do it every week anymore. So that's the good thing. Yeah. Like when I started out, they used to always feel like a show couldn't succeed if it wasn't every week. And now people don't really feel that way. Like you could show up every two weeks and that would probably be fine. Um, you know, or, or some people, like, they just come up with the idea for, like, six episodes, and they just put them out as, as one little series, and that's it, you know, yeah. uh, but I will say that, like, growing a podcast takes a long time, it's very slow, uh, it's almost all word of mouth, you know, so it, you might not see, like, an exponential explosion, you know, it, as much as you think your show is the best thing in the world, like, it takes time to build, like the audience has to find you and that takes a lot of stick to it um, Let's see, so advice for people who already have them. I mean, definitely have a reason that you like doing it. That's not that you're gonna get famous, that you're gonna make money. Um, you know, any of those kind of uh, more external reasons, because like I said, that stuff's gonna take time and it's much more rewarding if you're doing it because you're learning something like in the process of doing it. You're, you're becoming a better interviewer. You're getting to learn about whatever topic you like, you know? Uh, so I think it's much more important to see like, why am I doing this? You know, and, and what can I learn by doing this rather than thinking about like how, what's gonna happen externally. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you're just starting out, I mean, I would say one of the most important things about is sound quality <laughs> um, and, so, I mean, practice a little while, you know, like if you're, if you're having, here I can, if you're having to hold a mic in your hand, say, uh, learn to hold it so that you're not making noise on the handle, like learn where it should be held by your mouth. Um, you know, all these things that just eventually come so naturally, but when you're first learning, you just need to practice, mm -hmm. you know, um, practice uh, reading copy and sounding like you're not reading you know, all of those things, um, you know, don't be afraid, don't feel like you have to get it out right now, like experiment, if you're going to do it with a friend, experiment with them for a while, you know, listen back, did it work, was it interesting? Yeah. You know, what, or what would, what would make it work better? Um, it's just, I think people always feel like, 
podcasting is just you just turn on a mic and go and really if you practice a little bit you'll your show will end up being better better for it I think yeah I would love to just I think because we are virtual because of coronavirus it's hard to relay these ideas to an entire staff of students who maybe haven't even tried it before and I think that fear comes in a lot like gosh I'm gonna sound so bad I don't know how to talk for that long people aren't gonna be entertained but for me it's been about like just starting and doing it and if Mm -hmm. you sound bad you sound bad yeah you you like being a producer you've started consulting to -hmm. help other people with podcasts and I guess that would be like giving advice kind of like what I'm asking you for what else does that entail um well usually it's for some sort of company or foundation. And sometimes what I do, what I feel like I do most of all is I listen to what idea they have for the kind of show they wanna make. And I tell them realistically what it will take to make a show like that. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, I remember being in one meeting once where whatever idea they described to me, I just said, well, okay, you're gonna need to hire an entire team of reporters. And they were like, well, what? (laughs) You can't do an in-depth investigative report like about this topic, you know, just as a side project, you know, like this is going to take somebody a lot of time, you know, to figure out what you're trying to, what you're talking about. Um, so I've done that or, or I'll, I mean, it's even been like, I'll, I'll step in as a host on a show that they're doing just to make it run smoother. You know, if they're only trying to do six episodes and let's say they're, you know, they want to do six episodes and they want like to mostly cut a host out you know, they want it to be set kind of like the guest is talking just their story. It's like, I can do that interview for them and then, you know, uh, help them put it together. So it varies. It depends on what somebody's asking, but it's also just giving advice about equipment, about, well, that idea that you have is really complicated. What if you tried it doing it this way? That would be not as hard, you know? So it's a lot of just trying to help people think through their idea and what it's going to take it seems like you've become this like radio connoisseur and you're able to advise other broadcasters and help them along. Mm -hmm. And I would assume that maybe if you've accumulated all this advice, you've gone through some trial and error and maybe (laughs) even made some mistakes in your career or made a mistake on something where you were like, gah, I never want to do that again. Certainly. What are some like specific times when you've made a mistake or encountered a problem and overcame it and then like learned a lot from it? Uh, Well, the first mistake that popped into mind is something that I feel like happens to everybody if they work in radio long enough. It's it's almost not your fault, but you, it's like an equipment failure where you do an entire interview with somebody and at the last moment, like you realize that you didn't push record or, (laughs) you know, your battery died. And I can remember that I had done a 40 minute interview with a woman at her house and and at the last minute it was this old equipment, thank goodness I don't have it anymore, but it just didn't save enough power to save what had been done if it died, you know? (laughs) And and it just died right as we were finishing up and I just looked at her and I said, so how do you feel about doing that again? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you know, Um, and then sometimes you don't get a second chance. You know, I mean, I made another mistake once where I recorded an interview with this really old person. It was a brilliant interview. And I forgot to move the interview off of the computer in the studio I had used and put it onto my personal thing. Mm -hmm. And just in routine maintenance, the engineers came through and just wiped the audio 
on that computer like they do did from time to time and so I lost that that and then that person passed away before I got to talk to him again you know so there's those kind of mistakes <laughs> but I mean I, I think all of those things are good you know I I mean I've certainly made mistakes recording in the field too you know it just or you do an interview and you think you listen back and you think wow <laughs> that was really bad like I did a <laughs> terrible job on that but that's how you you know you learn to get better because you can think like why did that feel so terrible yeah and do it differently next time i i'm always so scared that i'm gonna forget to press record and I, one of these days it's gonna happen where i lose the audio <laughs> i don't know I, I think looking back like from where where you are you can look back and be like i learned from that but in the moment ugh. Yeah, you're like, uh, I can't, I'm not supposed to come back without this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I guess more on the topic of advice, just because you're so full of it, you have so much to say <laughs> on it. Um, creating opportunities for yourself. You, when I asked you who your favorite broadcaster, I mean, who your favorite interview was, what your favorite project was, and you were like, I can't even answer that. Mm -hmm. How how do you create these opportunities for yourself and have projects that are so fulfilling and interview these super cool people? Um, well, some of that is again, like just like the slow working your way up. You know, I'm lucky in that um, because I worked at KOW for so long and I worked for a while at Town Hall in Seattle, which is a performance venue that I know a lot of people who work behind the scenes now. Like I know a bunch of publicists in New York who are trying to get authors on shows and we're kind of friendly with each other. We've been, we've known each other's names, if not um, anything in person for over 10 years, you know? So, and then they introduce me to their new people. So then when a book comes out and I think, oh, I wanna have that person, I can just write to them and say, who, who is handling this, you know? Uh, so some of that is just acquired knowledge that you get over time. Um, but, I mean, as far as like creating the opportunities, um, I, I mean, it's another lucky thing. Like you have a radio show, so you you have opportunities from that. Like I had a radio show. I have one, I made one myself now, you know? So um, because of that, when I, back when I worked at KOW and we had to do 10 hours every week, sometimes we'd just say, what do we feel like doing today? You know, what would be fun? And, you know, the host of the show might say, well, the zoo just had two baby snow leopards and we're like let's go see those you know and then we'd write to somebody and be like hey can we get behind the scenes access to see these snow leopards and talk to one of their keepers and eventually set it up and then we'd get to go hang out with the snow leopards or like one time we decided that uh it would be fun to see what it was like to be in a race car <laughs> and so one of the pro other producers found this race car track and we found the guy that agreed to take us out, you know, and let me record him while he was driving 200 miles an hour, you know? Uh, so, I mean, some of it is just like thinking in your head, like, what do I want to do and how do I get there? You know, who can I ask that might be able to get me in the door? And I've been doing that ever since I was in high school or college, you know? I, like when I was in college, I was a writing major, nonfiction writing major. And I really wanted to know what it was like behind the scenes in a funeral home. And, and part of that was because I was afraid of death. I was afraid of 
you know, dying. I'd never seen anybody who was dead, you know? And I thought, well, what if I were to go behind the scenes and like confront this head on? And I spent years without any funeral home director like being willing to let me back there. <laughs> Heck no. Um, and then eventually, this one guy that I had kept asking for advice, like, okay, who should I contact next? Who should I contact next? He ran a funeral home and had said, heck no, uh, years prior. And I, but I kept coming around to him and he finally said, okay, fine, you know, I'll let you come in, you know? And he let me um, spend the day like working with his guys, like in the back. So sometimes it's just persistent knocking also. Gosh, just in those stories, your curiosity, the curiosity you were mentioning earlier is so evident going, the, going to the zoo and then the racetrack and then a funeral home because you're curious what it's like. It's so awesome. Radio allows you to be so, so curious. And I love that about mm -hmm. it. And it makes me want to do more with my show and have more guests and go more places. Yeah, for sure. it's hard because of coronavirus. Yeah, but someday we'll get free again. And Mm -hmm. yeah, then you just have to practice using mic outside in the field. As we start to kind of come to a close here, I have to ask what your favorite podcasts to listen to are and maybe like what even what radio personalities you look to for inspiration. Ooh, so tricky because uh, I listen to so many, but I think the, uh, the one I was listening to today <laughs> I really like. I started in the, in the uh, pandemic to want to listen to people who are a little bit more frivolous and happy and um you know and less serious mm -hmm. well-crafted produced things um there's a show called hey riddle riddle um that is just basically a group of improvisers uh doing improv and solving riddles <laughs> and it's ridiculous and silly and they have a very funny senses of humor very raunchy occasionally <laughs> um and i just like that it's just three friends laughing and inventing stories um you know so that's one and what else have i been listening to lately um actually another same guy who's in hey riddle riddle is also in a show called a hello from the magic tavern which is another improvised show but its conceit is basically this guy from chicago fell through a magical porthole and landed in a in a magical realm called Thune and he hangs out with a, a wizard and a shapeshifter who's usually in the shape of a badger and uh and then it's just like their adventures and they just you know make it up <laughs> you know but it's been going on for like five years now so you know they have a massive backstory and they come to joke more and more about um you know different things that have entered the canon that they now have to deal with as a fact of the realm but um those are two that popped to mind. I could tell you, I could look at my phone and tell you a ton more. I mean, I listen to things all the time. So, uh, but those are the two that are popping to my head at the moment. I mean, you could pick a topic and I could tell you something. I mean, I, I've, I haven't listened to either of those, but the way that you describe them make me want to, I feel yeah. like I have good recommendations. Um, I think the last question I want to ask is because you feel, it feels like you've reached this like apex you have so many connections and you've had such a history in radio broadcasting where do you want to take things now like what are you looking to in the future and what do you hope to accomplish it, uh you know that's a big question that I'm actually currently asking myself um 
because I'm definitely more interested in hosting now than being a, I mean, I've been hosting the podcast for the last six and a half years, but, but when I think about what jobs would I want to take, um, I've, I've been a senior producer for so long that I kind of feel like I learned so, I've kind of learned as much as I needed to know doing that job, you know? And I, when I decided, when I left, I wasn't feeling like I was growing very much anymore. Like I, I'd gotten past all the scary things and now I was just doing it. And, um, and so I guess I kind of feel like all these jobs will come up and I'll be extremely qualified for them, but they will be something that I don't really feel like I want to do anymore. Yeah. So it's a real problem, but I'm much more interested in like taking hosting gigs or like, um, and I'm much more interested in writing now. So I'm trying to like, uh, bring back my old writing stuff that I used to focus a lot of attention on and make it more 50-50, like work on writing and radio rather than radio alone. Um, but I don't really know. It's a big open question that I'm exploring, certainly. And I, I'm really looking forward to, I love collaborating with people. So I'm hopeful that when this pandemic is over, some sort of great collaboration will come about, you know, and just by talking to people and seeing what people are doing. So maybe I don't even know, like I, I can't say it yet. I, I mean, you mentioned a, a memoir earlier and you're, it's just so obvious that you are so curious. And I think that you will always have something going on that's super cool, always, Hopefully. always. Hopefully that's the goal. Um, <laughs> well, this has been awesome. And I wanna open the floor really quick to see, like, do you have any other things you wanted to touch on um, before we end up? Um, no, just keep going, Eden, everybody else who's listening, keep going. There is a program if you're not, I think it's for high school only, so you might not be ready or qualified anymore since you're about to graduate, but uh, uh, there is a program at KOW called Radioactive that you can apply for, which is basically them teaching high school students to make radio and podcasts. So that's something, but I mean, just keep going, be curious, know that it takes time and practice, but you'll get there. Okay, awesome. Well. Katie, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. It's great to meet you. This has been Eden on KMIH 88.9 The Bridge, joined with Katie Sewell for this episode of Garden of Eden, which you can listen to every Saturday at 10 a.m. I hope you have a great rest of your day.